Radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger. Accompanied, not today, uh, Pastor Brian Leversey is usually right next to me. He's on vacation, folks. He's out of here. Took the family to who knows where, but not to worry. Right in the uh, saddle next to me, Mark Dowler, Dr. Mark Dowler, and uh, he's going to be with us the whole show today. Uh, and we're the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state state senator and a pastor leversey but guess what dr dowler is also a part-time pastor correct yes so uh he uh we're, we're fusing church and state together uh again today we're gonna have culture history current events all from a biblical perspective we're on every day folks every week folks thursday at five saturdays at three you can find our podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger, A-Z-I-N-G-E-R. You can email us. Do we check the email, Tim? Uh, we do. Radiovoiceoftruth at gmail.com. Tim is son of Mark Dowler. He's uh, in the chair today making sure we don't make a bunch of mistakes because Pastor Leversey, uh, Pastor Leversey runs the boards. But he's not here. How are you doing, Dr. Dowler? Thanks for coming on uh, the show today. Nice to be here. So you've been here before, though. I have. I mean, is this your third time on our show? Oh, many, Second many time. times. <laughs> and you used to have, uh, in this same studio, you used to have your own little, uh, like a... Uh, little two-minute devotional. Uh, yeah. Yeah, several years ago. And it was uh, very good. Yeah, thank um, you. So... We'll, we, I think we owe you a couple commission checks on that. Uh, I'm still they're, waiting. <laughs> they're in the mail. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk uh, this te- this uh, show on uh, the the uh, typical important stuff. Also, if uh, if you listened to last week's show, you would have heard half the show. We we inserted Pastor Leversey's July Fourth sermon, and it was extraordinary. Folks that go to uh, pastor's church at fellowship baptist church um heard it i heard it and i said we need to put your sermon in our show that's how good it was it wasn't his idea it was my idea and we put half the sermon in the show last uh last week so we're going to put another fourth of the show in this week's uh, of the sermon in this week's show and then the last the last part of the sermon will be in next week's show it's very good so that'll be in the second segment folks and it's an excellent sermon uh just extraordinary he he just doesn't mince words and he's like the old timer and the the old timers this show he's uh he goes after sin uh without uh, without fear so you're going to want to hear it it's patriotic and um it's it's old timey as uh some folks say so this segment, so uh, so this show we're going to do, uh, we're going to open up here with uh, some discussion on uh, just some some uh, stories going on in the culture. Uh, Mark Dowler and I are going to discuss those. Next segment will be Pastor Leversey's sermon for, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 minutes, something like that. Then uh, the third segment, we're going to come back and 
address uh, the old critical race theory. What's going on with it? What's it infecting? And what's it destroying, folks? This is the uh, existential threat to our country of today. This is Marxism, pure and simple, and we'll talk about that. All right, so here's a couple stories that are going on. Let's start off, uh, Dr. Dowler, with a fairly encouraging one. We get you got the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA. I've got fa- family members. This is like the conservative wing of the Presbyterian Church. You have right. the liberal wing. What would they be called? Which which what are they called? You know, I don't know either. I can't remember. But the PCA, uh, I believe, is the the conservative conservative one. But it must be because the article says from the Christian Post, Presbyterian Church in America takes first vote. On banning ordination of openly gay men. Very good. So is that courage or what? Yes, it is. It's fine. It, yeah, and actually it's good that they're stepping up and doing that. Who does that now? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right? well, I mean Baptists yeah. do it. Not yeah. all Baptists, yeah. but a lot of Baptists do it. Yeah. And uh, here we have PCA. you got conservative Presbyterians, and uh, this is bold. The Presbyterian Church in America has voted to change a rule in its government governing document that would disqualify all gay men from serving in its ministry. The resolution to change the rule, not sure what the rule said, but it was passed 1,400 to 400 at the denomination's 48th annual convention in uh, St. Louis last week. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it, some of the other denominations would really needs to follow suit with that and and really step up and you know because it's a clear biblical uh, standard uh, against uh, homosexuality and particularly in the ministry. But you know, it's good to see that the uh, the conservative uh, Presbyterians have uh, done the right thing. Yeah, we we've come. To, you know, we we uh, as a nation, as a country, as a culture, we kind of decide for ourselves the definition of right and wrong and expect God to fall behind, right? Come right behind us and God, this is how it's going to yeah. be. But God has his own standard in uh, in the Bible. Uh, you know, we could just go through Romans 1 if you want to address homosexuality. And, and of course, uh, you, you always want to do the caveat. We, we have, we love, uh, uh, we love all sinners. You know, we're yeah. sinners. Everyone's a sinner. But, but uh, it is a clearly against scripture, uh, homosexuality is and certainly uh to be a homosexual and be and being the pastorate be, yeah. behind the pulpit yeah. right right you know i like what you said about the that we we have a tendency as humans to uh, uh establish our own standards and then ex- expect god to kind of you know put his stamp of approval or, or kind of buy into our our idea but i'm reminded of uh of uh, what Lincoln said in his second inaugural, in which he said that you know both sides in the conflict of the Civil War is praying to the same God. He said, obviously, you know, one side is is right and one side is wrong. But he said, I'm not so much. Lincoln said he wasn't so much as interested in uh, in God being on my side. He said, I'm more interested in being on God's side. And and really, um, I'm glad to see that the Presbyterians are are uh, you know. On God's side on this issue. Yeah, that's that's a great story. Lincoln did say that, and uh, Lincoln uh, was obviously a good man. So that's the first story. Yeah, I think you knew him personally, didn't you? Well, yeah, we were uh, we we used to go fishing together. Yeah, really, uh, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you done with your uh, bad jokes? Because I'm going uh, go yeah. to this. Okay, here's the second one. Uh, Boy Scouts lost two million members 
two million members. Wow. Wait till you hear this one, Dr. Dallert. Boy Scouts lost. This, this is also the Christian Post. Boy Scouts, Boy Scouts lost two million members since lifting ban on gay youth now mired in sex abuse claims. So they they did three things in the last eight years. They first lifted the ban on gay youth, right, and then the ban on gay scout leaders. Right. How in God's name do you do that? And then they let girls in. They let girls in the Boy Scouts. Well, do they do they let uh, boys into the Girl Scouts? They don't. I don't think you know the old. You know, when you were kids, you would you had a build a tree house with your buddies out in the woods, and you put no girls allowed on the uh, on, right. on the right. tree house. So, uh, uh, boys and girls are different. So that's a controversial statement today. But well. but but they are uh, uh, fundamentally different. Every cell in their bodies are different. And so you can't treat them the same. And Boy Scouts, boys need boys. Boys need men to teach them. Uh, so Boy Scouts lost 2 million members since lifting the ban on gay youth, gay youth leaders, and putting the girls in the Boy Scout. Eight years after lifting a ban on homosexual youth, eight years, Mark, this Boy Scouts of America have been in business over 100 years. Right. And in just eight years... When it boasted more than 2.7 million members, the Boy Scouts of America now have just 762,000. So they go from 2.7 million to 0.7 million or 0.8 million. A story like that is such a tragedy because uh, the Boy Scouts has been such a uh, such a mainstay in, a, in American culture for over 100 years, particularly in America. But, you know, when you trace back the... The history of the Boy Scouts. It, it was actually founded in by a, by a Christian man uh, in England, yeah. and, uh, and then the idea of of this organization that to to really mentor young men uh, by 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 men uh, mentoring uh, young individuals into manhood. Uh, really, just the idea came to America, and, and they organized their own organization, the, the Boy Scouts of America. Were you ever a Boy Scout? You know, I was almost a Boy Scout. My dad was actually an Eagle Scout. Oh wow! And um, <laughs> here's the so I was uh, I was with the, some Boy Scouts at, uh, uh, at a local troop. Did an overnight with them, and uh, we got in trouble that night, and it scared me so. <laughs> I was just a little kid. I thought, man, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. But I was at a Boy Scout camp with a stick and a line caught on a 13-inch bass out of the Ohio River. Well, there you go. But I got no badges for it, so I was bitter. And I let, wow. But that said, you know, uh, like you said, Boy Scouts, the Boy Scouts have shaped thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of boys into young men. I think there was a couple of our presidents that were actually uh, uh, Eagle Scouts. Uh, I think Gerald Ford was, if I remember the story. And there, there might have been another, a uh, couple other presidents that were uh, Boy Scout. I, 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 I remember more. I was a Cub Scout, and I oh, remember, okay. I remember more of, uh, of being a Cub Scout. Uh, which is the you know kind of the uh, elementary uh, uh, entry level for Boy Scouts and uh, but uh, you know some of the the pledges and things we did you know that you uh, you uh, promised to do your best to do your duty to God and country yeah, and and things yeah. like that and, and and you know you you remember those things but it was it was a fun time it was some of the things that you learned and uh, it, it, it's, that story is such a tragedy because uh, of this this great organization that's had such a wonderful history is now really just going down 
and they've been and so sued. quickly, really. Yeah, and, and they've been sued for so much money with uh, eighty-two thousand sexual abuse claims from former scouts. So, but, but because something like the Boy Scouts will attract predators, so what's the, what do the Boy Scouts do? They said, okay, we'll have openly uh, openly gay men as leaders. That's uh, that's brilliant. So, in just one year alone, from two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty, in one year. The Boy Scouts of America's flagship Cub Scouts and Scouts BSA lost 850,000 members in one year. Wow. You know, that just shows you the, the what compromise will do. You know, it was set up with, with rules and, and things like that, and it worked well for decades. And then, uh, unfortunately, when the, you know, the sexual predators were came in and, and were, were caught, and, and rather than to try to correct that and and to, you know to yeah. kind of see that that doesn't happen anymore they compromised and and this is this is really the result of the compromise where they and and now we're seeing this organization just really and you're right it's, it's tragic because if, we, if there's anything we need in um in america today it's it's to teach our boys how to be men because boys are not learning how to be men and it's it's a sad thing so uh the boy scouts of america watching them die found it they uh uh so they're in trouble here's the good news and and uh this this will be an encouragement The the boy scouts of america this is from the article has been steadily losing members uh particularly from conservative christian families but uh there's a new organization that's rising called Trail Life USA. Yeah. And they just started 2013, 2014, something like that. And they've been growing um, not necessarily exponentially, but very quickly. I think they're up to already like 40,000 members. They've got 600 and some new chapters. Uh, COVID actually, you know, God's God's sovereign. We always think about all the COVID time as being awful and horrendous, but a lot of great things happened. And I believe Trail Life USA had had uh, just really great growth during COVID. But they, they've been around since 2013, and they're seeing it's a Christian organization. Yeah. And they're teaching boys how to be not just men, but, but uh, Christian men. Yeah. So, good for them, and yeah. and certainly needed because there's there's such a void now, you know, with the Boy Scouts, uh, you know, going down. Right, and uh, I I wanted to pull up this quote I posted on my Facebook page from Tim Tebow, and we'll finish with that. We'll uh, head into the next segment, but uh, Tebow, who this is this is pretty gutsy for a guy of high profile like him, but he says that the uh, the meme says. Please, please teach your boys to be men before the world teaches them to be women. Teach them to be, you know, I, I got two boys. My boys, we let them play football in the hallway when they were little. They beat each other. They yeah. threw each other into walls, tackled, all wrestled, all that. They were learning to be boys. And, um, uh, and then it says, and not just men, but gentlemen, and not just gentlemen, but godly gentlemen. And I would say, not just godly gentlemen, but warriors. We need boys and men who are warriors for God. Well, I think there is such a void in 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 uh, the education of of young men to uh, to really to learn character. And I'm really big on character. I was a youth leader for many many years. And, yeah. And uh, you know, I would try to to, to instill. 
uh, and there's a lot of different things you could say about character, all the different aspects of it. But, but really, where there's such a void in character uh, among young, really young people in general, but particularly in in young men, and to to learn how to to treat uh, women and girls right, yeah. you know, and and uh, and to be and to be, but to really to grow up to be uh, uh, a a good man, and 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 as Tebow said, a gentleman. And and we we desperately need uh, really fathers, and if not in the absence of uh, fathers in the home, then we do we need we need men to step up and to mentor. Uh, you know, there's the statistics has been around for quite a long time. They revisit this issue every so often about uh, the amount of uh, of young men or men in in prison and in jail. That when they trace back their stories, have found the absence of a of a father in the home, and in and in, in, in mothers do their best to you know to try to fill both those roles, and they can only do so much. But really, uh, the the, uh, the the statistics have been there for a long time. How important it is for men to to be in the home, to be a part of their children's lives, but uh, particularly in, in 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 when there's when there's boys in the house to be part of those boys and to mentor them. And in the absence of that, then we need, we need good, godly men to kind of fill that void. Great points. I remember listening, uh, I don't know if it was on James Dobson's show, this was years ago, but uh, a Christian organization went into a prison and uh, created these, I don't know, uh, Mother's Day cards for these prisoners to send to their moms. And the, the prisoners lined up all the way, you know, around the corner, you know, all down the hall. And they did it for Father's Day. Nobody showed up. None of the wow. proof because they don't know their fathers, or they had a horrible relationship with their fathers. And we need we need fathers, and we need uh, uh, fathers to uh, to raise up young, strong, uh, violent men if necessary, warriors for Christ if necessary. All right. So we got coming up in the next segment. Pastor Leversey's sermon from July 4th. This is an extraordinary sermon, folks. You do not want to miss it. This chunk will be uh, 14, 15 minutes long, and then we'll finish out next week with the last one. Then um, when we come back after the sermon, we got one more segment with uh, Dr. Mark Dowler. We're going to talk about critical race theory a little bit. And then uh, in our, um, for lack of a better term, etiquette segment, we're going to talk about uh we do five every week i found a new list this one's called rules to teach your son so we started this last week we'll do the next five this week you're listening to the voice of truth radio show with mike azinger and my guest host dr mark dowler will be back right after pastor leversey's sermon point I want to preach to you about. Sin brings low. Notice our text passage again, Proverbs 14, verse number 34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sin brings low. And this morning, with the remainder of our time, I want to highlight some of the things that this nation is doing, accepting, promoting, making an agenda that goes against the word of God. None of these are political issues. They're all spiritual issues that we as a nation are making decisions on. And they're not news to you. I'm not going over anything new today. 
but we need to hear from the Word of God because we have churches today that are folding and capitulating to secularism. We have Christians today that are allowing belief systems that are of this world into their home and into their lives, and they're making decisions about marriage, and they're making decisions about life, and they're making decisions about human sexuality, and they're making decisions about culture based upon a secular worldview that is against God instead of a view of Scripture. And we need to get back to the Bible as a nation today. And so we're going to look at this fact that sin brings low. The first issue that I want to deal with from Scripture today is the sanctity of marriage. The sanctity of marriage. How many of you know in our country the sanctity of marriage has been attacked ferociously today? It's been attacked ferociously, not just in our nation, but in the world. And we're going to look and see very clearly, with no mistake about it, what the Bible says about the sanctity of marriage. Notice with me as we begin reading in Genesis 2 and verse number 18, the verses are on the screen. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help meet for him. Hey, how many of you are glad there were no wives for Adam among the animal kingdom? I mean, I'm so glad about that. And this is the building structure of truth that we see right from the beginning of time as God was ordaining and creating and calling. And he began to put out there that I'm doing something special with mankind. I'm doing something different than I did with the animals. In fact, man is altogether different from the animals. He's not part of some evolutionary process whereby we have instinctual preferences to do one thing or the other. I created man. I breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living soul. I gave him callings and I gave him a wife. And praise God for that. You wives should say amen a lot louder on that point. And I gave him a wife. Notice what God did. There was not a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called what, folks? Because she was taken from the what, folks? Man. Notice. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And this is the first human agency ordained by God in Scripture. It was one man and one woman brought together in the sanctity of marriage. One man, one woman for a lifetime. That is the biblical definition of marriage. That is the only definition of marriage. And America needs to get back to the Word of God. That is the clear truth of God's Word. This is what God ordained. This is what God has called us to. This is biblical marriage. Notice with me as we continue to read about the fruit that is produced from marriage. 
Genesis 1 in verse number 28, the Bible says, And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, man and woman. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. What did he say? Have babies. I want to bless the marriage between a man and a woman with the fruit of offspring of children. And I understand. I understand in the sinful, broken world that we live in, we have health out. Uh, we have health issues. We have difficulties. Some couples have difficulty conceiving, but make no mistake about it. This is God's plan for marriage. And I believe this. I believe a man and a woman put together in the sanctity of marriage, even as many throughout scripture were, were not blessed with children of their own. They became a blessing to the children that were around them. And in the church context, I love to see men and women brought together in marriage, adopting kids and giving them a Christian home, loving on the kids of the church, teaching the kids of the church praise God for his callings but it is between a man and it's between a woman and a man and a man cannot produce a child and a woman and a woman cannot produce a child that's what marriage is about now make no mistake about it marriage is given to us for pleasure and marriage is given to us for companionship but it is also given to us as a call of God to produce the fruit of the womb that's why he designed body and structure and callings the way that he did and our evil wicked world under the dominion of Satan wants to rob mankind from the gifts of God marriage is a wonderful gift but it is between one man and one woman for a lifetime that is biblical marriage per the word of God Amen. Romans 1 24 through 25 speaks about the aberrations of marriage it speaks about how when sin creeps into people's hearts and minds it distorts the relationships that God has ordained and created and specifically this passage is speaking about homosexual relationships and notice what scripture not Brian notice what scripture says about these relationships wherefore God also hath given them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, speaking of lesbianism. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men. And notice the phraseology here, working that which is unseemly, speaking of male homosexual relationships and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, error which was meet. The Bible says that homosexual relationships are sinful before God and against God's design and creation for humanity. Homosexuality is a sin, and we need to repent of that in the United States of America, and we need to turn back to God once again. There is no biblical view of marriage between a man and a man and a woman and a woman, and churches are struggling with this today. They ought not. It is very clear in Scripture. It is very clear from the creation of man to the calling of man to the production of the fruit of that calling to it outright in the New Testament being called sin before God. 
Homosexuality is a sin. Oh, you're saying terms in church you ought not say in church, Pastor. Hey, let me tell you what. Your kids are getting this stuff on the Disney Channel right now. I want my kids to hear the truth of God from the man of God behind a pulpit again, talking about what God has created and what God has ordained and the fruit that God wants to produce in people's lives. The blessing that he wants to give a people who will follow him. But it's not just homosexuality that is a sin against God concerning the sanctity of marriage. Notice with me, Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, and this is never a good thing. The works of our flesh are never a good thing. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. What is adultery? It's when a married man or a married woman has a sexual relationship outside of that calling of marriage. It is adultery. It is sinful. Oh, it's cute. I'm on Facebook. I'm flirting with an old flame. It's adultery, and it is a sin before God, church. You made a promise to your wife. You made a promise to your husband before God that you would stay pure and that you would stay true to him or to her and that you would honor your vow before God. And that picture of your marriage is a picture of the relationship between God and his church. And he says, I want my bride to be pure and I want that relationship to be pure. And you need to challenge your marriage relationships today. Oh, Christians, they want to talk about the sin of homosexuality and they want to talk about that around voting season. Hey, we need to have some cleanup in aisle five, folks. The church needs cleaned up today and we need to stop the adultery and we need to stop the pornography and we need to stop the lustfulness and we need to repent and we need to turn to God today if we expect the blessings of God on his people once again. Adultery, fornication, what is fornication? Fornication is sexual relationships outside of marriage, premarital relationships, living together outside of marriage. This is sin. It is sin before God. It is destroying our culture. It's destroying our families. It's destroying the blessings of God that he desires and that he designs. Young people, look up at me right now. Teenagers, you stay pure. You stay pure for God. He's given you a wonderful gift. And that gift should be shared with your spouse that God has planned for you. And when you get married and you're able to consummate that marriage and you're able to come together in the joy of the privileges of that marriage, God will bless you. Hey, don't jump the gun. Don't listen to the lies of the world. Don't fall into the traps of the devil. You stay pure for God. You stay pure for your future spouse. You honor God with your body. If you're saved, the Bible tells us this, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that is in you. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You say, Pastor, I've already made a mistake. I've already sinned in that way. Well, then you get right with God and you stay pure with God and you live for God in your life. How many of you are glad for the forgiveness of God? But don't justify sin. The Bible says that fornication, sexual relationships outside of marriage is sin before God. And parents, you need to watch what you call into your house on the TV screen and in your music and what you promote in front of your children. Hey, you would never, you would never go out here to the streets of, of Vienna and Parkersburg and grab a couple to come in in front of your living room and have relationships in front of your family. 
And yet we'll turn on the TV and we'll watch it over and over and over again. And we'll play those lyrics of that. And you listen to some of the lyrics that, that your teenagers are listening to in those songs. And you tell me that the trap of the devil isn't trying to pull our teenagers, our kids, away from their purity, away from God's gift in their life. You know why marriages struggle so much today is because they're falling into the traps of sin concerning this issue of the sanctity of marriage. Uncleanness, these are things in sexual relationships that I am not comfortable even preaching about in mixed company from the pulpit. Lasciviousness, this is a heart that is full of lust continually, given over to the lust of the flesh and sensuality. This is sin and it erodes the sanctity of marriage. How many of you are wondering, is he done yet? It's 12.07, pastor. Are you done? I'm not done. Hebrews 13 and verse number four again tells us what marriage is all about. Notice with me, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. You can't get more clear than that. God's plan for marriage, the sanctity of marriage, is between one man and one woman for a lifetime. You stay pure. You stay pure. Another issue that we struggle with in our culture today is the sanctity of image. The sanctity of image. God gave us a wonderful gift upon creation where he said, I will make man in my image. Notice with me as we go back to Genesis chapter number one and verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And notice this. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. And notice this, created he him Male and female created he them. That's what he created. He created male and he created female. And he created male and female both in the image of God. If you are a biological man this morning, God created you in his image to be a man. If you are a biological female this morning, isn't it weird that we even have to preface it with biological? If you are a biological female this morning, God created you a female on purpose for a reason, and he wants his image that he stamped on you to shine through. He wants his creation to be glorified. And make no mistake about it, the lie of the devil today is to rob mankind from the image of God. He wants to eradicate. He wants to erase his stamp on you, being his created prize and treasure. He wants you to doubt and to distrust. He wants you to be confused and not know the joys of what it means to be a man or to be a woman. But that's what God created. He created in his image two sexes, not multiple genders. There are only two sexes. There are only two sexes. There are only two sexes. And it is male and female. That's what God created. That's what God ordained. And you're either one or the other. And if you're confused, how many of you are glad God can help? Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, 
Mark Dowler. Pastor Leversy is on vacation. We know not where. He has gone hither and yon. To a secret I, location only known to undis- himself. Undisclosed. Is hither and yon, is that a Latin term, do you know? Uh, no, but Maybe it sounds French. wonderful. It, it sounds does. very I lo- sophisticated. I love hither and yon. All right, we are going to talk about critical race theory. I hope you enjoyed the segment that we just played with Pastor Leversy's sermon. We'll finish that up next week. And uh, that was my idea to put it in the radio show. Don't think that Pastor, Pastor Leversy was saying, yeah, I'll put my radio sh- my <laughs> sermon in the radio show. That was my idea and uh, because uh, I got to hear it live, and it was a wonderful, phenomenal sermon. Very bold and very uh, timely. Um, America's in a lot of trouble, and if we need anything, Mark Dowler, we need God um, more than anything else. Absolutely. We need yeah. the Lord. We need uh, revival. We need revival. <clears throat> I like talking about books, and <clears throat> you do too. You read more than any man I've ever met, I think, but uh, you're in the top five. Um, but uh, but Mark Levin's got a great book coming out on critical race theory that we're going to talk about. But, but Mark Levin's book isn't going to save America. It will do a lot of great things. I'm not downplaying it, but I am saying that, uh, that we need the Lord. Yeah. Back, you know, uh, the, the this whole critical race theory is Marxist in its roots. Marx was Luciferian. I mean, he he probably worshipped the devil. He probably was demon possessed, and uh, he wrote poems uh, talking about making a pact with the devil. His daughter uh, died in a suicide pact with her husband, and probably his other daughter probably did too. This is he was a violent, evil man. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know that uh, if you go and you want to pick apples, you go to an apple tree. If you want to pick oranges, you go to an orange tree. If you want to s- see where violence and evil comes from, you go to the tree. The tree is Marxism. Marx, Marx was evil. Marxism is evil. Critical race theory comes from Marxism, mm-hmm. and critical race theory is evil. It's just one of the it's just one of the many uh, uh, offshoots of uh, Marxism. I mean, from Marxism was born socialism and communism, and and uh, you know, I mean, Hitler was a socialist. You know, he wasn't a communist. As you know, it, it, it's you know those distinctions are made by sociologists. But yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, and critical race theory is just one of the offshoots of Marxism. Critical race theory, actually, and and I am going to recommend a couple books here. One uh, is by a theologian, a, a man named Vadi Bauckham, B-A-U-C-H-A-M or A-U-M. Uh, he's a black theologian, Southern Baptist, so an odd mix. He, yeah. Most uh, most black folks, well, I don't know. Uh, he he he's but he's very good. His book's called Fault Lines. It talk it addresses critical race theory from uh, from a, a biblical worldview. Yes. It's very good. Now mm-hmm. here's the other one. Mark Dowler is the uh, uh, Mark Levin's latest book. Mark Levin is a Jewish man. I don't believe he knows the Lord, but he is. Uh, just extremely intelligent, thoroughly studied on every subject that he writes about. Mm-hmm. And he writes about critical race theory. And his book just came out. I got it in the mail yesterday. And it's called American Marxism, which should be an oxymoron. Yeah. Uh, but American Marxism, and it talks about critical race theory. It pre, pre, pre-orders on it were over over 250,000 books. Wow. Well, you know, you know, uh, 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 Another person that has done uh, some some good work, uh, 
to really educate us with this uh, critical race theory is Dennis Prager, you know, with mm. Prager University. Yes. You know, uh, you know, go to YouTube and just type it in, and, and uh, there's a lot of different subjects. But I, I just recently watched one of his little five-minute segments on critical race theory. It really just boils it down to its most fundamental mm. uh, roots and, and explains what it, what it is and, and uh, really exposes it for all that it is. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought Prager up. He's such a great resource, um, and, you know, he changes minds. That's why Facebook and YouTube hate him. Uh, so just some 20th century Marxist um, data. The Soviet Union, China, Cambodia, and Cuba combined killed about 100 million people in the 20th century. Yeah. Number one was Mao in China. He was so bloody, it's just uh, no one really came close. Stalin was second, and um, and then uh, Pol Pot, and then uh, in Cuba, Castro. So let's talk about Cuba right now. Look, in, look, look what God does. I love how God does this. We were talking about this before we came on the air. But, but uh, everyone was talking about socialism the last two, several years, and Venezuela is in the top of the news, seeing people eat out of garbage trucks. Yeah. That is where Marxism ends up. So here we have Cuba. God's spotlighting Cuba to the world right now. You want Marxism, which is anti-God, anti-biblical, this is what you'll get. Here is Cuba. This is what you want. This is what you get. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, it's uh, I don't really see a, a great influx of people trying to uh, flood the borders of Cuba to try to get in if it's such a, a utopian <laughs> paradise, you know, rather. Uh, but our borders are being flooded here with people, you know, uh, America with really even with all of its uh, faults and and uh, and uh, failures. But but they're trying to get into a a free capitalist country but cuba you know it's been socialist uh, since the uh, you know late 1950s and early 1960s and uh, i don't think they have much of an immigration problem <laughs> uh, matter of fact uh, from the from the uh, recent uh, news reports it's it seems that some of these people are looking to america to you know that they want to, to be more like america in their own country and uh, Cubans have been trying to get to America for how long? Forever, since Castro took over. We've seen them come over on boats. We know there's a bunch of Cubans in Florida who all vote. Look, I don't want to make this political, but they all vote Republican. They all vote for freedom. Yeah. They vote for they vote for uh, a leader who they know will fight communism, and and uh, that's that's who they are. And this administration doesn't want a bunch of anti-communists coming into America. No. Uh, but we do. We want all the Cubans we can get because they have been they have been um, in the oven of communism for 50, 60 years, and they know how awful it is. I got a picture on my Facebook page. Go to my Facebook page, Michael Azinger, if you're on Facebook, and uh, just scroll down maybe just a little bit. I posted this last night. It's a picture. I'll show uh, Mark Daller uh, the picture of Cuba. Isn't that nice? I'll show Tim, too. He's the son of Mark Daller. He's our producer who always makes us, uh, makes it, does a great job. Um, so these buildings, they, they look, it looks like they were, they were just bombed, doesn't it? Yeah. But everybody knows in Cuba, you, all the cars are from the 1950s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are no new cars in Cuba. It's awful. So, uh, so critical race theory is that critical race theory is Marxism mm -hmm. and Marxism, uh, Marxism, by definition, creates conflict. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so you uh, Marx talked about economically the bourgeoisie were the oppressors and the proletariat were right. the oppressed. That's always the paradigm: oppressor and oppressed, right? Right. And exactly. so what it is now we have a uh, it's a it's a racist paradigm where mm-hmm. the white man is the oppressor and everyone else is the oppressed. Yeah, and it goes against uh, completely against so much against the biblical standard. You know, I was thinking about this that. If Martin Luther King were alive today, how how shocked and astonished he would be! You know, we 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 all remember, you know, in in our generation that that great speech that he that he made the "I Have a Dream" speech, in which and and that classic line that we all know so well that uh, if people should be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And you know, that's it really when you think about that very statement. Uh, that that is it's biblical because God judges people not by the color of their skin, uh, but rather by their actions, their their thoughts, their their words. In other words, their their behavior. Yes. And uh, and uh, so critical race theory is anti-biblical because it goes against everything that that God is for. Yes, and there is no mercy or forgiveness no. in critical race theory. Marx wanted revolution. Marx said, yeah. "Okay, proletariat, rise up against uh, against the bourgeoisie." Mm-hmm. But the industrial revolution came in; everyone was prosperous and has- happy. And Marxist was, uh, like we said, he was uh, godless. He came he came from a line of rabbis. Did you know that? I knew he was Jewish. Yeah. So yeah. his father, I, I think they were pretty, I mean, he's very intelligent. Yeah. He's, he's incredibly intelligent. He was actually a reporter, uh, and wrote a writer, which is, uh, not a surprise. So here we go. So here we have Marxism, um, vis-a-vis, um, critical race theory spreading everywhere in the military. Yeah. It's, Awful. My boy's about to go in the army, and uh, and so I had that concern that they're going to be brainwashing my son and all these all these soldiers um, on Marxism. Well, you know, in the military, you know, was it was it uh, President Truman that actually uh, uh, gave the executive order to uh, integrate the, the the troops? You know, mm-hmm. uh, black and white. Yes. And 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 they've been making inroads, positive inroads. You know, over the decades, and now it seems like we're taking a giant step backwards. Mm. That's a great point, uh, yeah. Mark, because it will cause conflict. Because that's what it does. Yeah. And it will it will bring in uh, it will bring conflict. Yeah. That's a, that's an excellent point. So here's a story from oh Daily Wire. Nation's largest teachers union says it will teach critical race theory in all 50 states, all 14,000 school districts. We're going to do it. They say we don't care what you say. How about that? And we have states like Arizona and uh, Florida and these other states that are outlawing critical race theory. I think it will happen in West Virginia. I believe it will happen next session. And uh, there are going to be more and more states. But the NEA, National Education Association Union, the biggest teachers union, said we're going to teach it anyway. Well, it kind of shows you where their allegiance uh, lie. But, um, you know, I live in Ohio, so I would only hope that eventually the Ohio legislature will – 
uh, get around to actually uh, doing some kind of legislation to you know outlaw it as well. It's it's good to see you know West Virginia making a positive inroads toward that. Several other states have you know really taken a stepped up and taken a stand against it. Because oh, I hear they have a wonderful legislator down there in the Senate. I can't think of his name, but <laughs> much loved. I I mean he's very very wonderful uh, yeah, guy. I don't yeah. hear. I think it's someone from Southern West Virginia down in <laughs> no, the coal fields. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, so here's another story. More than five thousand teachers have signed. Onto a pledge at the Zen Education Project. By the way, Zen. Yeah, <laughs> our is, Zen. Yes. Yeah, so who's, who's he? He's the guy that's been writing our textbooks for years, and he's a virulent anti-American. Yeah. So more than five thousand teachers have signed onto a pledge at the Zen Education Project that states they vow to teach their students the concepts of critical race theory, even where it is banned by law. You know, I really do feel sorry for the particularly the younger children in, in elementary school. If this thing goes as deep as what they seem to think it's going to, uh, then these young, these very young, impressionable children are going to be uh, taught this thing, and uh, they're going to grow up with that theory in mind, and uh, and and it really is going to create the the crisis, uh, the the conflict, and the. Uh, 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 you know the division that uh, that the the Marxists and the and the, the Marxist so, uh, uh, progressives are really uh, trying to uh, to do, and most importantly, it is going to turn the hearts of our children away from God. Mm-hmm. It's going to make them hate their neighbor instead of love their neighbor. Right? Yeah, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself is the principle of Scripture, and this is doing the opposite. This is teaching you to hate your neighbor. Well, you know, you, you, I don't even like to use the the word race. Uh, whenever I whenever I yeah. teach theology and and whenever I uh, I'm, I teach on some of these culture and what's modern, your doctorate in? Uh, I have a doctorate in theology. Theology, okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, but when, but I, whenever I teach, uh, I, you know, I don't even like to use the word race, as, and not that it's a bad word, but it's it's been so misused in our in our society in our culture. Uh, you know, I'd like to to speak uh, uh, about you know and use the word people groups. Mm. But you know, for since we're talking about critical race theory, we're going to use the word. But the idea is completely against the Bible. You know, there is, you know, uh, biblically and and even uh, uh, physiologically, there is only one race, the human race. And in the book of Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul brought that out. And he says there's one, we are all one blood. Our our blood is the same no matter what the color of our skin is. And, 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 And the skin color is such a superficial uh, aspect of uh, what a, who a person is, you know. Really, scientifically, it all has to do with the uh, the content or the amount of of a uh, of a, uh, a substance called melanin. In, yeah. In 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 in, in, in it has, right. and it speaks nothing about who that person is. Yeah. And uh, you know, God is supremely interested in how we treat each other. And and when we're at odds over something as superficial as skin color, which we we really did not determine ourselves. I mean, God is our creator. He's the one who made us. And the, the Acts 17 says he even established the bonds of our habitation. In other words, I'm an American because God decreed that I was going to be born here where I could have been born anywhere else mm-hmm. in the world. But that, those are God's decisions. And and for us to observe God's really authority by saying that I'm the just because I'm white that I'm automatically racist according to the critical race theory, 
goes really against the biblical model on everything that God intended for humanity to be. That was very well said, brother. You know, whenever God speaks of a certain individual um, in the Old Testament, he talks about not their race. He doesn't mention their race. Mm-hmm. He mentions what nation they come from. Yeah. He mentions who their daddy is and mm-hmm. who their granddaddy is. Right. But he doesn't describe somebody um, vis-a-vis their, their race. So how important is it to God? It's it's not important. There's a purpose in it. Obviously, God makes everyone different races and so on. Mm-hmm. But we're to love each other. We're right. to love our neighbor as ourselves, pr- uh, pri- primarily. All right, we're out of time, mm-hmm. Mark Dowler, for this segment. We're going to come back. And do one last segment, our etiquette uh, segment. This one will be on rules to teach your son. And uh, well, this should be fun. Yes, uh, your son's right here. So let's uh, let's <laughs> let's get him and teach him. He's a good maybe boy, there's good something man. that I missed. A long time <laughs> no, no, ago. I think you do a good job. All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show with Mike Hazinger. We'll be back right after this. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show, the fusion of church and state. You're listening to your host, State Senator Mike Azinger. We got a guest host today, the Reverend Dr. Mark Dowler. We've been friends That's since. That's the most very Reverend oh, Holy sorry, Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been saying that. I've known you like uh, almost 30 years. Let me see here. I'm looking at it. Yeah, almost 30. Because I remember when I moved back to West Virginia in 92, and that's where I, I met you. That's how momentous of an occasion that was meeting uh dr mark dow you weren't a doctor back then uh, no, I, think I, was that my com- I was just a common mortal back then <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're going to do rules to teach your son folks and uh, this is a new one we've been doing we, this is our etiquette etiquette segment for lack of a better term we did 50 rules of etiquette from a uh, an article from town and country magazine and we're done with it. So we're starting a new one. We did the first five last week. I'll read those real quick. Number one, never shake a man's hand sitting down. Number two, don't enter a pool by the stairs. Dive in. Number three, <laughs> the man at the BBQ grill, the barbecue grill, is the closest thing to a king. Number four, in a negotiation, never make the first offer. Number five, request the lake checkout. We did that the last place we went. Number six, when entrusted with a secret, keep it. Very, very important, and and sometimes uh, very uh, uh, good advice uh, for your health. <laughs> <laughs> and you're married, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't be a don't be a tattletale. Uh, keep a secret. That's a that's a sacred thing. Number seven, hold your heroes to a higher standard. You know, we don't have a lot of heroes anymore. You know what? Here's the thing: we have everyone's a hero, and no one's a hero. Well, that's true. That is true. Everybody yeah. is called a hero, and and nobody yeah. is a hero. You know, I have a handful of of people who I've never met. You know, some some I've met, most of them I haven't. But I've just admired their work. Some are Christian. Some, you know, wouldn't. The, the best heroes, I think, uh, uh, and it says a lot about a culture who we call a hero, and mm-hmm. the fact that we call everyone a hero. But um, uh, I like I like military heroes, mm-hmm. soldiers. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a lot of books. Uh, I've read on on these uh, Navy SEALs and other guys who who were who were very brave mm-hmm. in battle. Yeah. So those are good heroes and and uh, uh, missionaries and Christians who give their life to God. Those are the best heroes, yeah. right? Right. So uh, number, hold on, eight. Ret- <laughs> Return a borrowed car with a full tank of gas. 
Uh, yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. Right. So I tell my boys um, when they were younger, and uh, they would go on. Oh well, I, this is a good principle to have. I learned this from my dad. My dad's very good about this. But if somebody's, if you're traveling with somebody, and they're using their vehicle, mm-hmm. you should pay all the gas because they're using uh, putting the wear and tear on their vehicle. Yeah. So. So whoever's riding should pay all the gas. And I tell my boys, you pay all the gas. I don't know if they listen to me or not, but but uh, don't be a cheapskate. Well, right? you know, I, uh, my wife and I attended a church for many, many years, and the pastor did something that I'd never seen any other pastor do, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing, is that whenever they had a missionary or someone, a guest speaker come in, that the pastor would fill their tank up and you know, when, yes, they, when they left, definitely. you know, because, you know, they're on the road and things like that. So that's a very, very good tip. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, and speaking of tips, tip, folks, don't be cheap at a restaurant. <laughs> um, number eight, that was, we just did. Number nine, play with passion or don't play at all. Yeah, le- uh, yeah. This is le- rules for boys, by the way. Leave it all on the field. All on the field, yeah. man. Yeah. Everything you got. Number ten. When shaking hands, grip firmly and look them in the eye. Yeah. That's so important. That kind of goes along with one of the previous ones about, you know, standing up. And, and uh, you know, I seen an older gentleman years ago do that. And, and I had I never had never been taught that. You know, you know, you were taught to shake hands and when you, what hand to shake with, but but never to, to rise. And, you know, he would sit there in the pew in church when the, you know, and, and he would always stand and shake a person's hand, yep. and I always and I, I watched him for a long time, and 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 it was from this older gentleman who, you know, I, I just vaguely knew that I thought, you know, that's a wonderful, wonderful, you know, and I and I picked that up from 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 him a long time ago. I never told him that I got it yep. from him, but it was just one of those things where you don't you know you don't see these things a lot anymore, right. and and it's something that goes kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you know mentoring young men to be actual men and gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. So stand up when you shake hands. Squeeze the hand firmly. Not too hard. Don't try to, to yeah, break don't, your hand. Yeah, don't be and a look, them, look them in the eye. Yeah. Uh, folks, uh, those are those are basic things that that uh, everyone used to understand in our generation. You know, I, I was born in 65, but these younger generations, uh, a lot of them haven't been taught. But we're out of here, Dr. Dallas. That Thank make, you. That would make me older than you because I was yes, born in 56. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you, were, you are older and look much older, I think. Yeah, well, and but probably look, a lot smarter. You look very – you are. Uh, all right, Mark Dallas, thanks for coming on the show today. We appreciate it very much. You did a great show, great job. This is the Voice of Truth radio show with Mike Azinger. Have a great day. I